0: Well, good morning. Good morning. How are you doing today? You doing well? Good. Well, welcome. My name is Dylan Johnson. I'm the Brookfield Campus Pastor, and it is an honor to be here at the Germantown Campus with you today. Would you help me welcome all of the campuses that are joining us on stream today and online? Would you help us welcome, put your hands together, welcome them to service today. It is great to be with all of you. Um, my my wife and I are have been at the Brookfield campus now for about a year and a half and it is just an honor to be a part of this amazing team. I think without going too far into our message before we get too deep into the text, it is, it would behoove, behoove all of us to take a moment and just show honor to our senior pastor, Pastor Aaron and Miss Tammy Cole. They are amazing leaders and it is an honor to serve under their leadership and on their team. Uh, and, it, and it's great to be here during this uh, summer series today. If you've been with us any of the past several weeks, you would know we've been in a series called Songs of the Summer. And we've been walking through different uh, different Psalms. And if you know anything about the, the book of Psalms, it is a collection of songs, poems, and other artistic, artistic literature that um, goes to uh, describe feelings, emotions, and the state of being that different writers find themselves in. So when you're reading the book of psalms you're not going to find deep theological precepts and and kind of foundations to base your entire life off of but you will find patterns of behaviors and responses to God and how God operates in the life of a Of a follower of him. And and one of those main writers, his name is David. David, you know, is David and Goliath, Uh, King David, who would preside as the second king over Israel in the biblical text. And we, we know that David was a major historical figure. And yet David is also someone that had some major high highs and some major low lows. Some of you may be able to empathize with that Today. In fact, in Psalm chapter 40, where we're going to be spending our time, my hope is that as we read uh, through these few verses, you will, uh, you will perhaps uh, be enlightened as well as um, see how David operates in one of these difficult times, and then you will be able to navigate through your difficult times as well. Psalm chapter 40, beginning in verse 1, David writes this, I waited patiently. Well, we all hate how that started, right? Like, I waited patiently. Nah, listen, I've got a two-year-old at home, um, and so nothing about uh, waiting is patient right now. Right now, my, my two-year-old likes to, um, he, he doesn't like to wait, but if he's going to wait, he wants to do it while hitting the wall, throwing things, and uh, making a mess. And so waiting patiently is, is not something we all enjoy. Let's keep reading and see how much more fun it gets. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. We see a few different things in this in these few verses that I want to bring to your attention here today. Um, one, we see uh, this is kind of a pattern of where we find ourselves in life. If you've not found yourself in a situation like this yet in life, trust me, you will. Uh, if you've not found yourself walking through a difficult time as David was here in this story, trust me. You will. And I know that's probably not why you woke up uh, to show up to the 9 a.m. service to hear today, but I I just want you to know that um, life's not always going to be easy. In fact, Jesus promised us, he said that uh, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Wouldn't it have been a lot easier if Jesus just said, hey, in this world it's going to be easy, it's going to be chill, you're going to have everything just so nice and nothing bad is going to happen. But he didn't say that. He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Talk to anyone that's been uh, in in this life long enough. They have had trouble. But as a Christ follower, as a God-fearing individual, guess what? You can take heart, for he has overcome the world. And I think we can take a few lessons, a few, um, a, a few kind of maybe tips from the life of David here in Psalm 40 verses 1 through 3. Uh, a few things we see. We see the king's pit, the king's cry, the king's patience, the king's rescue, the king's song, and the king's influence. David is a man after God's own heart. So let's see if we can make his pattern part of our life. The first thing we see is that David is in the pits. He's in the pits. And and I want you just to, to look and see kind of what I, I began to see as I dove into what it meant uh, and, and kind of how he wrote about the pit he was in. He said he's in mud and mire, and it was in a slimy Pit. I, I looked this up in um, different versions of the Bible. One version translates it into destruction. Another version translates the slimy pit into horrible. Another one translates it, in, translates it into desolate. And, and, and over and over and over, it, it's just terrible negative circumstances of a pit that he finds himself in. And when you begin to dive into it a little bit more, it, you begin to see that um, this word used in other areas of the Bible, uh, it, it describes a, a situation that has roaring waves. There's um, tumultuous kind of, kind of uh, t- tempestuous waters. There's, uh, it's, a, it's like a storm is going on in that situation. And when you combine that with the usual meaning of pit, which is a deep, dark kind of well or cistern that you can fall into and you find yourself in. You get this image that's striking. Just for just to help be reminded, David is not giving us a literal place he's finding himself in, right? He's not trying to describe to you an actuality of this, this position he's in. Rather, he's trying to give you an image, a picture. It's artistic writing. It's, he's, he's writing and, and he's, he's combining these, these tumultuous waves with this pit, this cistern that he finds himself in. And it's as if David had fallen into a deep, dark well and plunged, not into a clean, placid pool that is there at the bottom of the well, but instead a roaring storm. Not, uh, and, and while it's roaring and it's crazy, it's also dark all around him at the same time. That alongside the picture of mire and mud, it it doesn't seem like they go together, and yet there's a couple references in the Bible that I think will help us to understand the pit which David uh, describes here. In, In Jeremiah 38 verse 6, it says, So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the cistern, and there was no water in the cistern but only mire, and Jeremiah sank in the mire. Another time David wrote about a pit just like this one in Psalm chapter 40 was in Psalm 69 verse 1 and 2. And he writes, save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my soul. I have sunk in deep mire and there is no foothold. I have come into deep waters and a flood overflows me. So, so then imagine you're, you, you fall into this pit, you're there in this situation and every time you try to get out and you try to navigate your way out of this pit, you only sink further and further and further into the pit and it overwhelms you. And he, he writes in Psalm 69 that the waters rush up to his soul and so it's as if every little breath you can get is worth a million dollars. And some of you, know all too well what that pit feels like. From describing what David is writing, but when I describe what David is writing, more so than that, you are thinking about your circumstances and your life situation. Maybe something you went through 10, 15 years ago or maybe something you're going through right now. And the pit that I'm describing is not just one from a book written a long time ago that David writes in this song that he is writing, but it's describing the very pit that you find yourself in today. You see, I think it's good that we don't know exactly what this pit was, what this experience was that David was walking through. It it makes it easier to see ourselves in the same pit with the king. Because we don't have the exact reason that he's there, we, we don't know the exact circumstances that led him to this point, we can relate. Anything that causes a sense of helplessness and desperation and threatens to take our life away, that is the king's pit. David is in the pits. But when David is in the pits, we see that David cries out to the Lord. The king's cry, he said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. Listen, if you don't know anything else about David, know this today. David cried a lot like all the time. Read through the book of Psalms. David was always crying. If, if you are one who likes to shed tears, you are in good company. David is on your side. You're not alone. Listen, David was all about crying. You, 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 like every time you open the Psalms, David is crying and shedding tears. There's tears of joy. There's tears of sadness. There's tears of despair. There's tears of excitement. David was always crying. Like I I wish I actually knew David because I, I feel like um, there would be a lot more times that he wasn't crying than he was crying. But for some reason, every time he was writing, it feels like he was also crying. David cried out to the Lord. There's something about crying out to the Lord. Psalm 6.6, 6, he writes, I am weary with my morning. Every night I flood my bed with Tears, I drenched my couch with weeping. Psalm 56 verse 8 says, put my tears in the bottle. Are they not in your book? But I do want to caution us. Because when we fall into a pit, a, a natural inclination for many of us is to cry out. And yet, I think it's imperative that we make note that we must cry out not to just anyone or anything. But it's important that we cry out to God. You see, our, our, our world and our society has made a huge push over the last several years to cry out or to talk or to discuss or to get help. And I'm all for that. Go seek help. Go talk to people. Find people that you, uh, you can surround yourself with. Get in biblical community. Get in small groups. Do all of those things. But cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. Uh, David cried Out to the Lord. Psalm 118, verse 8 and 9 says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to take trust in princes. Therefore, when you are in a pit, do not cry out just to anybody or anything. Cry out to God. And then we get to the favorite part for all of us. David waits for the Lord. He waits. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, or, or more literally, I waited intently for the Lord. The reason this is so important for us to hear is that it guards us from unbelief when it seems as if God is taking his time. It, the important thing for us to remember is that God is going to show up. God is going to uh, move. God is going to work. But it's not about if, it's about when. You see, I've learned in my short 30 years of life that God's timing is drastically different than my timing. Anybody else, anybody else experience that? That my timing doesn't always line up with God's timing. Hey, God, I'd really like it if you did this right now. Three years later, hey, God, remember when I said right now, it'd be nice if it happened now. A few years later, hey, God, I'm just asking, are you around anymore It'd be really cool if you showed up now. And yet over and over and over again, as I begin to wait and wait and wait, I realize that something is happening in the waiting process that doesn't happen uh, in in the actual final destination of when God shows up. There's a maturation process that takes place as I wait. There's a preparation process that takes place in me as I wait. You see, what I've learned in the waiting is that God does more in me in the waiting than even what I'm asking for when he shows up. Perhaps, just maybe, it's in the waiting process that God prepares you to receive what he wants to do when he shows up. He waited patiently for the Lord. Waiting for the Lord is a great part of a Christian life. And, and there's two kind of basic elements to waiting on the Lord. One, waiting on the Lord takes a, an immense amount of humility. It does. Psalm 37, verse 9 says, evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. And a couple verses later, he says, but the humble will inherit the land. So those who wait, they're humble. They, they recognize that it's not all about them and their strength and their ability. It's, it's They're willing to take a back seat, to take a step back and say, whatever you want to do, God, I'll wait. But not only are they humble, they also are full of hope. Psalm 39, verse 7 says, and now, Lord, uh, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord. My soul does wait, and in his word do I hope. So when will he come? At just the right time. At just the right time. I love as you read scripture, you see at just the right time God shows up. It's never too early, never late. There was a song we sang growing up and it it, it was, he's never early, he's never late. It takes courage, it just takes faith. Trust him and see, he's got all the power you need. I don't know who needs to hear this today. Perhaps you've been waiting and waiting and waiting for what seems like far too long. I wanna just encourage you. God is working even in the midst of your waiting. So keep faithfully and patiently Waiting, keep being filled with hope. If there's one thing you can do while you wait is cling to hope. Cling to the hope that Jesus is working on your behalf. Cling to the hope that he has already won the battle. Cling to that hope today. Then we see that the Lord delivers David. This is the thing we all get excited about. When God comes, he will deliver us just like he delivered David. Verse two, David writes, he brought me out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon a rock, making my steps firm. I, I want you to notice the contrast between the situation David found himself in and then where his feet were placed when God rescued him. In, in-, in the pit, it says that there was, it was mud and it was-, it was this miry mud. It-, it was like a sinking mud. But the moment God rescues him, his feet are on a rock on a solid foundation. Do, do remember, God will rescue you out of your pit and place your feet on a solid foundation so, so you don't have to look to the left or the right looking for help. God will help you. God will step in. God will rescue you. For David, the rescue could have been one of many things. Uh, we see over and over through the Psalms, he writes about different times God shows up to rescue him. In Psalm 30, verse 2, he says, O oh Lord, my God, I cried to thee for help, and thou didst kill me. Or it may have been deliverance from his enemies. In Psalm 69, he says, Save me, O God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. Those who would destroy me are powerful. Or maybe it's Psalm 51, and he writes, Be gracious to me, O God. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. But be reminded, it's God who does the rescuing. Uh, You're you're never going to be so good. You're never going to have all your ducks in a row. You're never going to work so hard or or, or achieve so much or be so smart that you can rescue yourself. There are situations and pits that we find ourselves in that it takes God and God alone reaching his mighty hand down to pull us out of that pit. It's not you, it's not me, it's not anything this world can offer, it's only God that does the rescuing. It's only God that does the delivering. It's only God that does the saving. So maybe you're in that pit right now, I would encourage you, cry out to God for he will deliver you. It's only God. Not only did God deliver David, but God gave David a new song. The Lord gives David a new song. In verse 3, he, says, he writes, he put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. You ever know someone that just sings all the time? that just randomly, uh, listen, I grew up, my mom, she can sing, my dad can't sing. um, And so it was always fun when we as a family would sing random things because my dad would be off pitch and my mom would have this beautiful melodic voice. I think my brother took after her and I took after my dad. Um, That's why you don't see me on the worship team. They don't let me do that here. Um, But uh, my mom, my mom would wake up most mornings and, and she would just start singing way too early. You know those people? Um, I I would be asleep, and uh, at this time in my life, especially on Saturdays, I would want to sleep in way too late, and it would be 8.30 a.m., 8 o'clock, and my mom would just be singing. And we had this piano uh, that that was um, mostly in tune except for like five or six keys. Uh, They were important keys, though, because they were always used. And so my mom would sometimes sit down at that piano in the living room, and she would start playing. And uh, the dissonance caused by two of the keys that should have made a beautiful noise caused this, um, this reverberation throughout the house that uh, shook me awake. And then I would hear her voice singing, and she's got a great voice, a beautiful voice, but at 8 a.m. in the morning, um, I-, I hated it, right? Like I wanted, I wanted to punch the pillow. I, I wanted to throw something at the wall. Like I hated the fact that she was singing in the morning. But there was something in her that was just grateful. There was something in her that was just happy and joyous. There was something in her that, that was just overflowing with that emotion and that feeling. And she started her day often by singing praise. And though I didn't get it when I was 8, 10, 12, 15 years old, I I, kind of get it now. I wake up and, uh, granted, I I don't sing. My wife would hate me for that. But the song of my heart begins to flow. And I I, I thank God. Hey, God, I'm so thankful. So thankful for another day. I'm so thankful that baby in that bassinet actually slept six or seven hours straight without waking me up. Right? That's something to be thankful for. You got to find little things to be thankful for. I'm so thankful that my son in his room, that, that you have blessed him and anointed him and called him. I'm so thankful that um, in, in a, just a few years, he's going to be able to make a decision to follow Jesus. I'm so thankful that, 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 that you have provided for my family. I'm so thankful that you have given us this. Day. I'm, to, I'm so thankful that—do you understand that when you get a song in your heart, it doesn't necessarily have to be a beautiful song for you to sing for others. Some of us just need to sing to God and God alone um, and, and not for others to hear, but— But when you have a song in your heart, it's rejoicing about what God has done in you. This is why when we come together and we sing, it's not just some cute Christian karaoke that we do, right? Uh, Listen, I'm just going to be real with you. If you want to participate in Christian karaoke, you can do so from the comfort of your home. That is not why we sing. If that's what you think we're doing, you're wrong. No, 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 we are joining our voices together to sing a song of praise, to sing a song of worship, to sing a song of celebration, to say, look how good God is. Look how great he is. And even if my circumstances or that which surrounds me in the moment doesn't seem like this is what I should be singing about, it seems like it should be negative, I will sing praise in the midst of the storm. I will continue to worship. I will continue, that's why I love that's why I love the music that life church music produces. That's why I love listening to worship music because I know I know the soundtrack of my heart is one that can determine the next steps and the following and, and, and how my life plays out. The soundtrack of your life, the worship of your life, the praise of your life can largely determine how your steps are ordered. The Lord gives David a new song to sing. When was the last time the Lord gave you a song to sing? Again, not a literal song, but a song to sing. Or or, or better better yet, this. When's the last time you allowed the perspective on life that you currently have to be something worth singing about? Perhaps the reason you don't have a song to sing is not simply because God hasn't been giving you something to sing about, but it's simply because you haven't been recognizing what God has already put in front of you. The Lord gives David a new song to sing. There's reason to rejoice. The question is not, do we have a reason to sing? The question is, will you sing the song of rejoicing even when trials abound? The last, step, the last thing we see um, in this is that others see and are saved. Others see the rejoicing and the song of David and are saved. Notice that it says this in Psalm 40, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. You ever thought about when we come together to sing songs of praise, it's not just about you. Perhaps there's someone in the room that you've never talked to, you've never looked at, you've never thought about that is going through a trial that needs to see you singing a song of praise. You ever thought about that? You ever thought about how strong and how amazing your testimony of God's goodness and grace in your life is? That when you, in the midst of your trials or right after coming out of your trials or sitting over here and you're singing praise to God, someone on this side of the room who's going through a difficulty, he's going through a struggle, who's in the pit of life in that moment, looks over and sees you praising. And they only know just a, a blurb, a, a little facet of your story, but they see you worshiping and they see you singing and they see you lifting your hands and they see you engaged. Do you know what that does? To the person that's in the pit, hope. Hope arises. To the person that's waiting patiently, who has felt like the waves of life have begun to overtake them, but they continue to cry out to God. When they look over and see you faithfully worshiping and following God, it reminds them, hey, I can keep trusting. I can keep following. I can keep believing. So maybe you're not in the pit today. Maybe you were rescued from the pit a long time ago. It's been years and years and years since you've been in a pit in life. But your worship, the song that God has put in your heart, it's one of the greatest evangelism tools that you've ever had. How awesome is it that a story in Psalm 40 of David in a pit crying out to God ends with a revelation of personal evangelism about what God did in his life. When's the last time someone had a conversation with you? Someone examined your life? And because of your praise, because of your disposition, because of your joy, because of your excitement, because of how you live life, because of your family, because of your praise, because of what, because of the way you live, said, ah, there's something different. And I got to know, what is it that made you so this way? why in this world with inflation and prices and this that and the other and we're never getting anything shipped because nothing gets shipped anywhere anymore i don't get it why are you happy and you just begin to talk I mean, I, we we could look at all this other stuff, but if you just want to be real, and without getting too deep, if you if you have the time, I can share with you my story, and you begin to walk through about how God did this and how God did this and how God was faithful even when you were not, and how even though you didn't know where God was, God showed up, and how you didn't think God cared, but uh, it, God showed up at just the right time to give you comfort, and maybe God didn't answer your prayer in the way that you wish He would have answered your prayer, but God was there all throughout the steps, and you realize that God was comforting you and God was caring for you, for the Bible says, "Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. And maybe he didn't bring healing to the person you desired healing for, but in the midst of them enduring whatever circumstances they had, you found new joy, you found new life, you found new strength. And as you begin to walk through your story, you begin to share about the goodness and greatness of God. And your song unfolds in such a brand new way that others begin to see that and are saved. I, I just can't help but imagine what would happen if all of us Every single one of us became um, metaphorical songwriters. And that we would share the song of our lives and the song of our rescue with others. I think other people would begin to see and they'd begin to see our lives and contrary to human nature, they would see that. We are humble in distress and we've never lost hope and we banked on God. And it was in the middle of banking on God and never losing hope that God delivered us and we gave God the glory. I think people would begin to see us as people that are real and genuine and authentic. And uh, there's, there's, uh, these are things that ring true in, in, in the human heart, regardless of whether you were a Christ follower or not. And they, they'd begin to see in our lives, there's a conviction and something that we hold to, even when everything around us seems uh, crazy and seems out of whack, that, that, that we're holding on to these convictions in our lives. And they would they would begin to realize that maybe there's something bigger and better and greater than just us and the end of our own power. And, and, and then they begin to, to wonder, hey, I, I wonder if I had what they had and I believed the way they believed and my life looked the way their lives looked and then they slowly but surely turned their hearts towards God and they put their trust in him and they have this new fear, this reverence, this awe of who God is and they operate in a new manner and it all started because of the way in which you lived your life, quote unquote, sang your song after being rescued from the pit of destruction. I got a chance to talk to some of our students that were on an inner city missions trip in Milwaukee just a few weeks ago. And in the message to those students that I'd prepared, we talked about the personal testimony that we all have before Jesus, how we met Jesus, and what our lives look like now after Jesus. It's never really after Jesus, but it's after that encounter where your life has radically been changed by him. And I made this statement to our students and I I wanna share it with you today, but I really do believe this is true that the radically rescued, rescue radically. The radically rescued, rescue radically. And for those of you that you've seen God do amazing things in your life, you, you get this. Because when God shows up in your life and changes you dramatically, you want to share it with others. And you want to begin to talk about it, and you 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 begin to to, and 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 you accidentally bring it up in conversations that you never thought would go that direction. But you start talking about the goodness of God, the greatness of God. You you start talking about how God has loved you even when you were unlovable, and you start you start sharing. You start uh, it just starts bubbling over, and it it begins to be something that you are radical about. And I'm not saying standing on the on the street corner kind of radical, but I'm saying radical in the pursuit of seeing lost people. Or people who are far from God, raised to life in Christ. I mean, you've got to know the vision of life church is that life church exists to lead people to experience life change in Jesus. What if what if your mission was that I exist to lead people to experience life change in Jesus? That each and every single day I was radically on mission to see other people rescued by the goodness and the greatness of God. Because I was once in a pit. I was once on the path of destruction. But God, so graciously, with his mighty hand, reached down and rescued me. So why, why if I have the ring, the flotation ring, the ability to help save someone else, why why would I not throw it out to help them? Why would I not sing a new song and tell them about how to be rescued? Why would I not be so overjoyed? And this is, this is where I'll close. I, 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 think, I think it's easy right after we've been rescued to be super passionate uh, about the new song and sharing our rescue story with others and, and bringing others in and letting them know further out we get from being rescued, I've noticed, I've I've observed, oftentimes our passion, our joy, and our excitement about the rescuing process begins to dwindle or take a back seat to the rest of our lives. We get busy. We're all busy, right? We're all tired. We we never sleep enough. How are you doing? Tired. Yeah, we get it. We all are. How are you? Busy. You know, long hours, it's work. We all we're all there. And the longer we get away from the moment of rescue and the moment of new joy and a new song in our hearts, that can, our excitement can dwindle of sharing that with others. But full circle, we're to operate in a mode of rescue in our everyday lives, that we're constantly engaging in life with other people, and we're joining their rhythms of life, and we're sharing the love of Jesus with them, and we're walking with them, and talking with them, and we're not constantly banging down their door with the Bible, but we're simply showing the love of Jesus, and as moments come up, we, we share a little a little tidbit or, or an ounce of information about our story and then we, we kind of just continue to do life with them but if we're truly overjoyed of being rescued, then won't we share our rescue story with others? and won't we be passionate about seeing other people also rescued? I don't know where you're at in, in this today i don't know maybe you're right smack dab in the middle of the pit and you've just been here today and you heard this story and you're like hey i'm there it's the sinking sand i can't get a breath the waves are overwhelming i i don't know what to do help i would encourage you cry out to god and when you cry out to god then wait all of our favorite part wait patiently for him to move just a moment i want to pray for you i want to ask god to speak to each of us i think all of us find ourselves at some stage in this today so i think all of us have an applicable point to walk away with have you been rescued rescue others are you waiting does it feel like you can't wait any longer take heart take hope rest in him Cry out to him. Stop attempting to fight it in your own strength. For he will deliver you in due season. Would you bow your heads with me today? Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you rescue us. That when we find ourselves in the pit of destruction and the pit of despair, you're not this absent father that isn't around or isn't there or doesn't care, but Lord, you do care and you are near. that that, that you're hearing us, that you're listening, that you are there by our side and you are working even in ways that we don't recognize, you are at work. So Lord, I pray for the person who's been in the pit for a season, maybe a few seasons. I pray that you would give them renewed patience, renewed strength, an ability to trust in you again, bring alongside them the right people to renew their hope and enable them to remain humble as they wait. Lord, help us to be people who cry out to you. Not, not, not that cries out to this world or bangs the table about what's right or wrong with this world, but Lord, help us to be people that cry out to you, that, uh, that, that are reminded that you alone can change and bring healing and hope again. Lord, to the person who's been rescued, I ask that you'd give them a new song. Maybe their joy has dwindled they've gone back into the rut and mundane of life, I pray that today you would renew in them an excitement, a fervor, an energy. Lord, that you would endue them with, endue them with passion and, 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 and give them fresh, fresh life, God, that they would live on fire for you and they would share your love and share your story and share your passion with other people that others would come to know you through them. The Lord, we who have been rescued would be people who are radically passionate about rescuing others. Let us never lose sight of where we were. Let us never forget where you brought us from. Let us always be reminded of what you did for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We give you all glory and honor and praise in Jesus name.